Can, can't you tell? At the end of last week's service, um, I told the group this on Wednesday. Um, I felt defeated, and um, I felt the enemy coming in, and then it just hit me like five seconds ago. I think I know why I felt defeated, because you know what I challenged you all to do at the end of last week? I had challenged everyone to stand and ask if you would pray more. I challenge you, would you pray more? Would you start to pray? Or if you're praying now, find times to pray more. And that was one of those messages that obviously I understand that just about everybody's going to stand on that. But, um, and I'm going to refer to that here again in a second. Thank the Lord he's moving. And this morning during prayer time, I, was, um, I told you God's messing with me, y'all. And when he messes with me, that means he's going to mess with you, perhaps. And I was praying this morning and said, God, last week was hard. And, and Lord, I need to know. I need to know that you're here. I need to know that I'm taking the church in the right direction. I said, God, just give me something this morning. Well, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to be obedient to the Spirit. I'm going to move as He moves. If you've got a roast in the oven, then take care of it when you need to, okay? If you got to, you just do what you have to do, but I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And uh, let's, let's, um, let's press in this morning because I want a new thing. Um, Brock, are you, are you done with your spell? Are you done with your... No, and I pray that I never get done. God is doing a new thing. This all started a few Sundays ago when the Spirit of God came on me and began to create within me a desire and a hunger for more of Him. And I sense God is stirring us as well. Those of us who have been coming on Wednesdays, Do you see what happens when God's people pray? (laughs) Some of you may be here this morning and you may be saying that your life is fine, but you'd have to admit maybe your uh, spiritual condition is maybe not as on fire as what you're sensing this morning. Maybe it's kind of like drinking a flat Coke. You know, there's just no fizz, there's no pop, there's no excitement to it. There's something that's grown stale, I don't know. I'm going to move as quickly as I can here. You don't have to turn here, unless you want to, 2 Timothy 3, but it'll be up on the screen here. Let's just go quickly with this. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will, be, they will slander others and have no self-control. And they will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God, they will act religious, 
but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Oh, we must be careful that we are not lovers of ourselves because I don't think that we should trick ourselves thinking that that the apostle was talking just to those that are out in the sinful world or that are sinful themselves. It's not talking to those that are just really far away from God. It's a warning, it's a message to those of us in the church. Some of you have, uh, um, in your translations, some of you uh, are reading, they have a form of godliness. There is a form of religion in their life. That tells me that we very well could be talking about people in the church. There's a form of godliness, there's a form of religion, but they lack the power thereof. It seems that having a passionate, on-fire relationship with Jesus in today's American church is getting harder and harder. There are so many distractions, so many ways to focus on ourselves and our pleasures. Hmm. One thing that this can lead us into is just going through the motions. Having that form of godliness, having a form of religion, but lacking the true power. Lacking true, living, breathing, spirit-breathed relationship with our Savior. Look, our marriages and our families, even in the church, many are in a mess right now. The last 30 years, more books have been written on the topic of marriage than in all the preceding 2,000 years in the history of the church. Yet there is more troubled marriages today than at any other time in the era of this time. That's both outside and inside the church. Now we have a Supreme Court that's deciding on the definition of marriage. And the church hasn't been all that great of a help because it seems like half the church is in support of it and half the church is not. We need God to show up. Families, same thing with our families. We own stacks of books on child rearing. Many parents try to spend quality time with their kids, and I get that. I'm all for that. But many times it takes kids away from church activities. Amen or ouch. Many times when we try to raise our kids, we find that what we're doing is we're keeping them away from the things of God. Yet we have more problems with our young people in today's church than at any time in our history. You see, we have all the how-tos and the no-tos and all the knowledge. But because we have not cried out to God for help, our marriages and our families are falling apart. We've forgotten that the couple that prays together stays together. And then we have forgotten that the family that prays together stays together. We need God to do a new thing in our marriages and in our families. So the question that I've been grappling with for the last several weeks is, God, how do we get this? That's really the topic of this series. That's really what this series is all about. I was telling Stephanie this this week and yesterday, this is for those who hunger for more of God. Look, I'm I'm not necessarily, if you don't know Christ, then hey, this is for you. This could be the day of salvation for you. 
We long for that. Those are the kind of things that we're praying for is that God sends us new believer, uh, conversions and send us people who will be new believers. But I, I, this is for the rest of us in the church. Um, there may not necessarily be just an outright sin going on in your life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that's just grown cold. Talking about something that's just kind of gone stale in your life and your relationship with Jesus is no longer on fire like it once was. And you need to be asking, God, how can I get that new thing? Last week we talked about the key ingredient, the key ingredient, and that is prayer. I thought it was up there on the screen, but it's not. It's prayer. Prayer. So many individuals and churches have gotten away from this. It is there. I just forgot to go past these next two things. There it is. Prayer. So many individuals and churches have gotten away from this. And I preached on this last week. When individuals and when churches get away from prayer being the main thing, then we just become living museums. Remembering the greatness of the past, but never moving forward in the power of God. Prayer. And we wonder why, and I said this last week, approximately 80% of all churches right now have reached a plateau or they are in decline. 80% have maxed out or they're declining. Every year, approximately 4,000 new churches are started. That's awesome, right? But when you hear that 7,000 close their doors every year, it's like, oh, God, help us. What is happening? What is happening? I will have you turn to Revelation 3. Revelation 3. Is it possible that what Jesus said to the Laodicean church, he's saying to us today, uh, the modern church today, especially the American church. This will be on your screen. But if you want to follow along, Revelation 3 14 through 22. This will be out of the New King James Version. Hmm. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, And I wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I wish they, you know, I like the word spew better. That word vomit, it just brings horrible connotations, doesn't it? But that ought to warn us just how God really feels about this. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eyes have, that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Verse 22. 
Then to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen, Jesus is basically warning all of us not to fall asleep and allow our relationship with him to become lukewarm. But you know what's ironic about this? Many of, this, many of us have heard this message about the Laodiceans so many times that we've gotten used to the message. We've almost gotten lukewarm about the message of being lukewarm. Like the Laodiceans, the American church today can boast about how rich and wealthy we are, how we really don't need anything. And when this happens, we will start to act as if we don't even need God. And that's what God is awakening in my spirit, is no matter what we have or what we don't have, if we don't have God, we have nothing If we don't have the spirit alive within our hearts, within our souls, we're just dead. We're just going through the motions. I said a few weeks ago that God is strangely drawn, though, to weakness. He is drawn to those who have a broken and a contrite spirit. Some of you say, Pastor Brock, how do you know that this passage is even talking to his church? Look at what verse 19 says. Verse 19, And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. He loves everyone, but he's talking to his children here. He's talking to his church. He's talking to a church that was obviously started. There had to have been, uh, the fire was alive to start the church in Laodicea, or else there never would have been a church there to begin with. They were a people who probably sang the hymns and put money in the offering plates and preached messages. But this is a really a warning to anyone who calls themselves a believer. Did you ever, you ever consider why Jesus wished that they were either caught or hold? Caught. Hot or cold. Yeah, great. Well, think about it. If you're hot for Jesus, then you're on fire for him. But if you're cold, that seems to indicate to me that you're far away, that you really don't even know much about the message of Jesus Christ. You're so far away from Jesus that when you hear the message, it, it, it draws you. It is so attractive. It, it's, it takes you out of your bondage and it gives you a, a message of freedom and peace and joy. And you're so far away that that message draws. But lukewarm, what's, what's in that? What's in the message of being lukewarm? Look, I'm just going to tell you, these are the people in the church. These are those in the church who think they're fine. They may have had some kind of experience with Jesus in the past, but they've allowed their walk to grow stale. They see no need for change in their lives. This is a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. I don't want that to happen with me. 
Oh, church, the American church desperately needs revived. It desperately needs to wake up. But there's good news, as Jesus has told us. If you find that's you today, if you find that, okay, maybe you've allowed some staleness to come in and maybe you're feeling some chastisement, not from me, but you're feeling some chastisement from the Lord today. There is good news. You see, when we get serious about this thing called Christianity, when we get serious about just abandoning ourselves, when we get serious about prayer and tapping into the power of God, remarkable things will happen. Because Jesus told the the Laodiceans in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. We use that a famous verse for people who don't know the Lord, and it definitely can be applied there. But he said this on the heels of talking to the church. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and call upon me, I will forgive their land and heal them. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. But I warn you, watch out, because Satan does not like this. Whenever we allow God to do a new thing in our hearts, reveal what needs tweaked, what needs changed, whenever we allow God to start messing with our routines, I've got to be honest with you, right? recently um, God's still messing with me that whenever I sit down to, to do something that I used to enjoy just relaxing, it just doesn't seem to relax me like it used to. There's something going on inside. God is dealing with me. And what it's doing is causing me to go to my knees more. It's causing me to think more about Him. It's causing me to live out Psalm 1, where it says that we are to meditate on His Word both day and night. I find a change is happening. Don't you want that change? Please, I pray you want that change. When you start acting like this, when you start wanting more of Him, when you, when you start, as our brother said on Wednesday, Steve said, whenever you turn the TV off and you start getting into the Word more and you start praying more, you say, God, I want more of you. God, reveal to me what is standing in the way of me being just passionate for you. Watch out, because Satan is on alert. Satan doesn't like that. Again, this is, this is another message that he did not want me to preach this morning. It's not what he wants. Anything but that. Anything but more time in the Word. Anything but more prayer. He'll try to busy us to death. Distract us. He'll tire us out so we'll not want to give priority to Jesus. Either right now as I'm speaking or as you are on your way home or when you are home. He will whisper into your ear things like this. Now I'm talking, I'm talking right now specifically to the church. To those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ. You love Jesus, but where are you at in your passion for Him? He might say things like, lit, like this. Don't listen to that preacher. You're fine. You're doing well. Look at everything that you're doing for Him. Look at all the things that you even do in the church. 
You don't need to get all fanatical about this thing called Jesus. Let him get up there, rant and rave. That's what he's paid to do. They want him to get excited and entertain the people and entertain the crowd. But you don't have to. You just keep doing what you're doing and you'll be fine. The truth be told, that if that is our mindset, the devil's not worried about us at all. But he knows, he knows that his kingdom will be damaged when we lift up our hearts individually and corporately as a body. I believe I heard my sister Lisa say this at one point in time. We need to pray for each other. I need you to pray for me. I'm human just like you, and I take the shots just like anybody else. And there are times whenever I'll go home, and there, there's a book that um, uh, a Christian author wrote for pastors that says that it only hurts on Mondays. Mondays can be difficult days because the evil one comes. Pray, pray, pray. And I'm not trying to force this message on anyone. Either God is stirring you or he's not. But you know something? You determine whether or not you want to be stirred. You determine whether or not you want to be stirred. If you want to go deeper with God or if you're content where you're at. But if you will abandon yourself, abandon yourself. One more passage that I want to go to, and then we try and bring this to a close. Go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. I'm going to bring this to a close. Paul has just given us instructions on how to defend against and defeat Satan. Talks about the whole armor of God, about the truth. The breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the gospel of peace, shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. But then Paul tells us what I believe is the key to it all. Here we go in Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Last week I challenged you to pray more, to bump up your prayer life. This morning I say to you, pray more. Bump up your prayer life. Don't stop praying always and with supplication in the Spirit, being watchful with all perseverance and all supplication to the saints. You know something that I found out? Do you know what the word supplication means? I don't expect you to answer me, but that's a rhetorical question. But do you know what the word supplication means? I never really did until I started to research Supplication means this. This is how that we are told that we ought to be praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. The act of asking or 
begging for something earnestly or humbly. Wow. Wow. The act of asking or begging. What do you want from God this morning? Are you willing to beg for it? I am. I'm begging God to pour His Spirit upon us, to open up the floodgates of heaven, and I'm willing to beg for it. In my personal life, God is showing up. In the life of our church, He's moving. Real renewal, real revival. I don't know how long that will take. It may take time, but are we going to persevere in our prayer when we start to see souls saved, when we start to see change delivered and broken, when we start to see bondages set free and families come together and individuals come together loosed? I'm going to keep praying with all supplication. I'm going to keep begging until God shows up. All that we would pray for an attitude where nothing else matters except for more of God. More of God. Listen, don't settle for a relationship with God that's just a little bit of God, a little bit of religion, a little bit of work, a little bit of God, that he's involved with your life and he's important to you, but you have other things in your life. Don't ever settle for that. He must be first. He must be supreme. He must be the main thing in your life. He must be what drives you every day. Don't settle for anything less. Don't settle. If you would please permit me, I've got to read to you some excerpts from a book that I have. I want to give you an idea of just what God is capable of. I want to remind you of what God is capable of this morning. I talked to you before about the Asbury Revival back in 1970. And I want to have the freedom to do this. Billy Graham wrote these words back in 1970. The unusual revival which came to Ashbury College early in 1970 and spread to scores of campuses across America is evidence that God is still at work in his world, lifting men and women out of a self-centeredness, that's the passage we read earlier, secularism and boredom. The eruptions of revival which swept through a segment of our college youth in the early months of 1970 are harbingers of what the Holy Spirit is ready, able, and willing to do throughout the world if Christians will dare pay the price. A divine moment came on February 3rd, 1970. The visitation occurred in Wilmore, Kentucky, a small town near Lexington. It was as if the campus had been suddenly invaded by another power. Classes were forgotten. Academic work came to a standstill. In a way, awesome to behold, God had taken over the campus. This could be the start of something big. One veteran newscaster covering the phenomenon told his television audience, 
Then he asked his viewers to put down their newspapers, stop whatever they were doing, and watch the revival scene, which he had filmed earlier in the day. And he concluded, I've never seen anything like this. I still can't believe it. Tuesday, the 3rd of February, dawn like any other winter day in Wilmore, Kentucky. Casual chatter occupied the conversation of students as they hurried to the 10 a.m. chapel service. For some time, a small group of students had been involved in a vigorous discipline of devotion. It included getting up a half hour earlier than usual each morning, which is big for students, for prayer and Bible study and to plan specific ministries. In addition, various groups, large and small, had been meeting at different times to pray for spiritual awakening. The dean opened the testimony service by sharing his own experience with God. He then invited others to do the same. Quickly, a number of students arose in various areas of the sanctuary. Their testimonies were fervent and reflected deep heart-searching. Clichés were absent. Each person seemed intent upon sharing up-to-date report on what God was doing. One senior shocked the audience by confessing, I can't believe that I'm standing here telling you that God, what God has done for me. I've wasted my time in college up until now, but Christ has met me and I'm different. Last night the Holy Spirit flooded in and filled my life. Now for the first time ever, I am excited about being a Christian. And I wouldn't want to go back to the emptiness of yesterday for anything. At this time, an invitation was given. A mass of students moved forward. There was not room for all who wanted to pray at the altar. Prayers were mingled with heartfelt contrition and outburst of joy. It was evident that God was moving upon his people in power. The presence of God was so real that all other interests seemed unimportant. The bell sounded for classes but went unheeded. A line of students began to form to give their testimonies behind the pulpit. Students in all classes from freshmen to seniors poured out their souls asking for forgiveness and exhorting others to heed the call of God. As the confessions were made, other students streamed to the front, filling the altar and front seats. The intense divine manifestation continued until the noon hour. The service continued on until the afternoon and an announcement was made that the classes would be suspended for the rest of the day. That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Toward the supper hour, some began to leave, but the building began to fill again as the marathon service entered the evening. At times, nearly every seat of the 1500 capacity auditorium was occupied. Some students the next day in faculty came to the pulpit and openly acknowledged faults and spiritual needs, resentments and hidden jealousies, lustful desires, worldly attitudes of all kinds were brought out into the open. The service continued until the afternoon. Some classes tried to meet, but many students remained in the chapel where they, the divine presence was still so much in evidence. By the next day, all classes were officially canceled for the rest of the week. Can you imagine? Oh, I could just go on and on and on. Hundreds of visitors were attracted to the campus through news reports of the revival. Some people came from as far away as California. 
Florida and Canada. One person said he heard about the revival on his car radio. His curiosity led him to drive by the campus. He was so stricken by the power of God that he himself found a wonderful experience at the altar that night. Almost done. The revival 24-7 lasted for an entire week. The following Wednesday at 3 in the morning, the last student left Hughes Auditorium. 185 hours of straight revival. And if you know what's interesting, that revival spread all across the country and it spread to a Church of God church in Anderson, Indiana, where revival was sparked and for 51 days revival broke out there. There's no human vocabulary, the author writes, that can capture the full dimension of one divine moment. In some ways it seems almost like a dream, yet it happened. We saw it with our eyes in a way impossible to describe. God was in our midst. Those of us who were there can never look upon the things of this world quite the same. Am I wanting to create an Asbury experience here? Not necessarily, but I want to give you a taste of what God wants to do. I want to give you an idea of how we should be praying with perseverance and with all supplication. Do you want God to do a new thing in your life? Look, this is my job as your pastor. I'm not called here to entertain people, but I'm called here to bring you to your knees. Too often that the message, the, the sermon is the centerpiece of the service, and that ought not be the case. The centerpiece of who we are ought to be, we ought to be a people of prayer. Prayer is the thing that should be driving us to what we do and to who we are. And the only way this will happen is if we get desperate before God and want more of Him. How do I end this morning? Would you bow your heads, please? God, Lord, you poured out your spirit to us this morning. Lord, I thank you for those who have been obedient to your word and have been obedient to your prompting this morning. Lord, I know the hour is late, but Lord, that is one of the things that the evil one can use even at this moment. God, for just a few more moments, can we throw out routine? And God, can we begin to scratch the surface what it means to be in your presence, to be desperate for you? To not allow lukewarmness to creep in. Lord, if, if we are not led by your spirit, if we are not people of prayer, then Lord, it doesn't matter anything else that we do in this church. Everything else needs to come from this holy desperation. God, we're begging this morning that you would visit us afresh and anew. 
God, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice this morning that says, I've had enough of my old ways, there's, there's no excitement, I need God to do a new thing in my life, Lord, I pray that they will come to the altar right now and they will begin to do business with you. God, thank you. God, I praise you for what you did at the beginning of this service. Lord, we, we thank you so much for that. But Lord, we want more. We want more. I pray that we would be a church who would want more. Thank you for dealing with us, God. Thank you for loving us. God, may we tap into what you have for us. We love you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just um, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? I don't know what God wants to do right now. Again, if you need to leave, that's fine. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sing a song. And if that's you this morning, if you are saying, okay, I want more of God. God, you can have all of me. As I sing this song, I want you just to come down front. You need to get up even at this second. Come down front. And again, just abandon yourself to God. And we will just conclude this morning with a great time of prayer. God wants to do a new thing within our midst. Would you be obedient? If you want more of him, forget the clock. We're talking about eternity here. If you want more of God, Brian, if you want more of him,
Listen to the promise, a message for you. For I, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. I will pour blood upon the dry ground. Open your heart for the gift that I am bringing. While ye are seeking me, I will be found. Child of the kingdom, be filled with the Spirit. Fullness, thy longing can meet. Tis the endowment for life and for service. Thine is the promise, so certain, so sweet. And I, for God. your heart for the gift that I am bringing while ye are seeking me I will be found Father God this morning Would you pour open the floodgates of heaven? God, you said in your word that I will give water to him who is thirsty. Lord, I pray that you would make us hunger for more of you this morning. May we thirst for more of you this morning. Father, for those who have been walking with you for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, Lord, renew them this morning. God, renew the passion, renew the vigor and the excitement inside. God, would you begin to mess with more of us this morning? We thank you that you are pouring out new things upon the Bars Mill Church of God. God, this is just a start. This is just a start of what you want to do within our midst, within our hearts. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we are trusting that you're going to send us souls. We are trusting that you're going to send us those who need Jesus Christ, those who need to rededicate their life to Jesus Christ, those who, Lord, who have turned their back on you. They may have walked with you at one time or another, but, God, they have turned their back on you. Lord, they are walking in disobedience. God, we trust that you would send us those individuals so we can help them come back to a Savior, God. Lord, do a mighty work within our midst this morning. Lord, thank you for visiting us. Oh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that when you visit, the same Spirit that visited Asbury years ago, would you begin to visit us this morning? Pour out your Spirit. Pour out your power and what you want to do in our life. God, thank you. 
Now, God, as we commit this morning to pray more and to be in the word more, God, I pray that we would do with all perseverance, that we would do with supplication, that we would do with begging, that we would beg for you to hear our prayers and hear our cries. There are needs that are represented all over this building this morning. Lord, I pray that you would work in a mighty way. God, we want to see you move. I just don't want to say amen and we leave this place and we go back to life as usual. Lord, we don't want that. We don't want that. Lord, we're going to be faithful. We're going to do what you've called us to do. We're going to be men and women of God. Give us the strength and the power to be what you want us to be. Lord, as we continue on, we wait for those times to where you pour out your spirit. And we won't stop until we get it. Thank you, God. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen.